Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Veterans Care Association and Timor Awakening podcast. The Timor Awakening program is an 11-day immersive, holistic and peer-to-peer veterans program traditionally based in Timor-Leste and it has a singular vision to promote the health and well-being of veterans and their families. Due to the current restrictions from COVID-19, we are running slightly abridged programs on the Gold Coast with the same vision and same aim. We're using these opportunities to sit down with our participants either one-on-one or in a group setting and conduct podcast interviews to capture their stories and their lessons learnt, providing insights we can all learn from as we as veterans and wounded healers move through our own journeys and help others do the same. We'll be covering a whole range of topics including defence transition, mental health, relationships, veteran suicide, PTSD and post-traumatic growth. So whether you're out and about, listening to this at home or driving in your car, we do trust that you'll get a lot out of listening to our participants. Thank you and enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the next TA18 podcast. Uh, my next guest is Joel Donkin, and he has had an illustrious career indeed, which I'll get him to go into in a bit of detail, but just as an overview, joined in 82 as uh, in ARES and joined Royal Australian Army Nursing Corps, is that right? Did I get that correct? No, I joined in 1982 in the regular army okay. as an infantry soldier. Oh, And then right. spent uh, nearly four years in the Corps before I transferred to the Medical Corps, yep. where I spent the next 15 years as an OR before I commissioned into the Nursing Corps. What battalion were you in infantry? 5-7. Uh, 5-7, five, seven. Five, seven. up in or down in No, Sydney. it was still in Holsworth in still those in days. Still in yep, yep, my old stomping ground. Uh, Op Sumatra Assist, Quick Step, Resolute, Accordion, High Road, West Africa, UN Afghanistan, British FCO, private contracting in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, that is a mixed pack. That's quite... <laughs> now, there's some operational names I've never even heard of that you're going to help, have to help me out with Quick Step and Accordion to start So with. Quick Step was the 2006 um, Fiji coup okay. where a task group of Australian warships and a bunch of uh, army were sent to float around off the coast of Fiji yep. to provide services protected evacuation or services assisted evacuation to Australian nationals if it was required, right. which it wasn't. Um, the low light, I guess, of the deployment was the loss of the Black Hawk helicopter, yeah. which took the life of the pilot and an SAS trooper yep. at that time. Yes, I remember that being in the news. It was pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, from memory, the, the pilot actually did get to the service, didn't he? Yeah, Captain died. Mark Bingley was his name, and uh, did an exhale and he. Rumours abound, but the uh, failure was probably the emergency briefing device and the uh, depth that the aircraft was at when he exited. By the time he got out. Yep. 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 Sad stuff. And uh, uh, and I guess um, beyond that, Operation Accordion, I've also not heard of that. So Accordion and High Road are just various Middle Eastern uh, area of operations, operations of recent years. Yep. Accordion pretty much ties in anything that involved... Um, AMAB and Dubai yep. and, and High Road in that manifestation was Afghanistan. Gotcha. A illustrious career indeed. And so most of it was as a nursing officer, I got that right? Yeah, uh, yeah. certainly I never deployed operationally as a digger. Yep. Uh, yep. Lots of ACAP tasks around Australia, Aboriginal staff exercises overseas. But um, yeah, when the opportunities came for me, it was as an officer in the nursing corps. Gotcha, gotcha. And so how long did you do in total? How many years? I'm still in and coming up to my 40th army birthday at the end of this year. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so I'm pretty happy. That's a lot of service. Um, a lot of it army reserve, yeah. some of it regular. Uh, yeah. 
all of it, I hope, of some purpose. I guarantee you it was. And I'm proud to have had the opportunity to render it. And it's at reserve capacity at the moment? Uh, yeah, but uh, really ironically, um, there's a possibility of uh, re-engagement in the regular army at the end of the year, which will take me through to compulsory retirement at 60 in about three and a half years' time um, and then maybe some more reserves till I hit reserve uh, retirement at 65 or not. I'm not sure, but um, it's exciting to think that they still think I have something to contribute. (laughs) I'm not sure they're right. (laughs) I'm sure they are. And I guess one of the things that we look at with these interviews is transition, you know, transition from full-time army to civilian life. It sounds like you... I've kind of done that a few times. If I'm yeah, not look, um, I, I, my wife passed away uh, four and a half years ago and um, so she was very uh, tolerant of my idiosyncratic professional <laughs> behaviour and I was always up for another good option. So, And there was so much happening in the world and I just wanted to be a part of it. You know, I've read history and then I wanted to be part of history. Mm. Um, it came at a cost. I was probably... Not the best father that I could have been to my kids, nor was I the best husband that I could have been to either of my wives, um, uh, because I was always looking over the horizon for the next great adventure. Um, Pretty common uh, in defence circles, isn't it? True, true story. But ultimately, it is what it is, and it and I can't change it. Mm-hmm. I've got to learn to live with it, and particularly for me, I guess, in honour of my departed wife. She wanted me to try and live the best and most pointful life that I could after she passed, and that's what I'm trying to do now. Amazing! <laughs> what a what a uh, resolute sort of no pun intended um, vision you have there. It just keeps. Well, we're still alive, mm. and you can either sit down and let it wash over you, or you can. I mean, the part of the culture that we share is to pick up your goodies and move on. Mm. It's what you got to do. I mean, you take up the controlled stores and the ammunition and you, you pause momentarily to reflect on the loss and then you do your best to move forward. It's not always easy uh, and there's a lot of setbacks. What's some of the biggest setbacks you've had to navigate? Probably after Sandra died. Uh, she died in an intensive care unit of a hospital that we both worked in of sepsis, secondary to sepsisemia. And uh, she, um, yeah, that was really traumatising. I was uh, at that stage back on full-time service. Uh, I won't say where I was working, but I was, I was working in the army. And ultimately, um, I missed those last few months as her health declined and then spent the last three weeks that I had with her in the intensive care unit watching her die. Um, the, uh, the, I guess the point of that, in a way, is that... So, yeah, just, I guess, to summarise it, it would be that that was far more traumatising for me than anything I'd ever seen, smelt, saw, heard of mm. and and overlaid with, with layers of guilt that perhaps if I'd have been a better husband there more often, perhaps the outcomes could have been different. Is that true though? Is, that, is there any, any way of actually linking those two? Well, this is the thing. There probably isn't, mm. but there probably – there might be. Mm. The past is what it is. We, yeah. we can change our future. We can change our present – we can't change our past. No. We can have peace with it. Mm. Sometimes I think that's the best we can hope for. And certainly probably predicting a little bit. Um, Timor Awakening for me is a celebration of that. Okay. This is where we are and this is what we've got. 
and we can get more if we need it and there's people out there that'll help us. Mm. And there's always different ways to peel the onion and this activity is a celebration of that. And what? how did you, I guess, first find out about this activity, this program, and then what drew you to come get here? Seemed I, like a pretty discerning guy, so I'm wondering <laughs> why, why we're here. I praise indeed. Um, I have a very dear friend on this particular program, in fact, and he's a bloke that I worked with in Afghanistan during some pretty heavy-duty times where we lost a few friends. Um, and he was coming on the program, and I saw it as an opportunity to spend time with him and support him in his journey and reconnect with him. And I hadn't heard a great deal about Timor Awakening to that point, mm-hmm. but then looking into it and doing my you know, archetypal due diligence... Um, <laughs> It looked exciting, especially as this is a fairly novel approach to it, given that it's Timor Awakening, but we're not actually in Timor. Yep. So um, having seen that, I got pretty excited. Yep. Uh, it was very generous, um, so much provided for us in terms of not only life support, but, but the people that come to speak to us and the activities we engage in. Um, I, I, I grabbed the opportunity with both hands because that's what I think we should do. <laughs> Love it. And I guess you're, you've had a long background in the medical world. What sort of aspects of this program do you see as being most beneficial? I guess let's, let's focus on mental health. It is what it needs to be for the individual, providing they agree, uh, engage with it. Yep. For me, the, there was a particular section on relationships, which I found very, very useful mm-hmm. um, in terms of understanding the nature of my closest and most intimate friends and how I can better be a good friend to them yep. or and, and perhaps even articulate who I actually am so they can be a good friend to me too. Um, the activities that we engaged in, the sporting recreational type stuff was very reminiscent of our military culture. Yep. It was great getting out and doing PT at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> I thought I'd hate it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, watching everybody's little victories, I, I recall – particularly the volleyball morning on the beach, yeah. um, every time somebody made a great shot, everybody cheered <laughs> both sides of the net. Yeah. It was yeah. gold. You know, it was really good. And uh, we had an opportunity to go up and see a, um, a organic farm Brilliant in the farm. hills. Yep. Uh, we got in, an opportunity to engage in some yoga activities with the most remarkable teacher. Uh, I'd often thought of that as just mumbo-jumbo <laughs> nonsense, but yeah. it's changed my mind considerably. Yep. And watching... Developing a sense of other people's credibility and then watching how the activities impacted upon them was it was it was all good it was all good and certainly um, Gary and Mick and their vision and the people that helped them put this thing together and move it forward um, I think they're doing pretty good work pretty good work and is there any other I guess programs that you've been involved with yourself in terms of the ESO ex servicemen's organisations. Sort of piece? Uh, yeah, two. Um, one, I was involved, very, very fortunate to be involved in something called the Arts Program, oh, yep, yep, which yep. is run in Canberra. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's recovery and resiliency through the arts, and uh, you can stream into music or um, creative writing or graphic art. I ended up spending a month down in Canberra learning how to play the bass guitar and singing a lot, uh, <laughs> no which way. was really cool. And, cool. and ultimately it was all about finding activities that you could do, uh, maybe simplistically, when the black dog comes biting, so you could pick up your guitar or you could pick up your paintbrush or you could pick mm. up your pen. Mm. And through the medium of undertaking that activity, there mm. would be some recovery and some improvement. And it certainly worked for me since. 
So yes. that's one, and I'd absolutely put a shout out there to the arts program. Yep. Uh, the other one is a very local activity, a uh, mob called Body, Buddy Up on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. I believe they have uh, reps in lots of different places. Mm-hmm. But they just get together for social activities um, because I live on the mid-north coast of New South Wales, uh, walks on the beach and stand-up paddleboarding are two big things that we do. Mm-hmm. But just the presence and camaraderie, I, I have found that uh, full-time, part-time, Army, Navy, Air Force, whenever they served, um, spouses of servies mm. have all got amazing common ground. Yep. And once you can put aside your little petty cultural differences, which seem to fade away in about the first 20 seconds anyway, <laughs> it's, it's we're not better, we're not worse, but yep. we're just a little bit different. Yep. And all of us seem to appreciate that. It's funny how the last interview I just did, we were talking about um, – People who've never deploy[ed] before feel like they're not entitled to go to you know ESA programs and feel as though they have no right or shouldn't feel, you know, have any conditions like PTSD. But um, you know, there's some ridiculously high percentage. I, I believe from memory it was 57% from the um, PTSD forum I attended in 2017 that it's actually 57% of people who have PTSD or related illnesses never deployed. Yeah, never operational. I've I've seen some. Um the psychological impact. We, we most of us, uh, our deployments were an accident of where we were posted, what our job was, and when we were serving. It wasn't as if we were chosen as an elite band above all others or some nonsense like that. <laughs> so the people who rendered excellent service in the seventies and eighties, when we didn't go very far or do very much overseas, these are soldiers of the same, well, sailors, airmen of the same caliber and value as anybody ever. And sadly, oftentimes they judge themselves really hardly on the basis of that. And I, I noticed on this course there's a couple of people, uh, sorry, program, uh, there's a couple of people who seem to really f- suffer moral injury by the yeah. fact that they never got to uh, reach their potential or their, their own self-imagined potential. And, um, and then they hopefully mix with us and we say, yeah, it's pretty cool. You did really well. You know, you're one of the tribe. And that's what we need to do. If there's strength in unity. You still signed on the dotted line. We all you did. You still gave your, your life to what you I were know, doing. I know. It's, it's an interesting thing that we still use words that mean nothing to us because mm. they came into the vocabulary hundreds of years ago. <laughs> yeah. but I remember when I was a young soldier, they said, take the Queen shilling. And uh, so apparently when you were recruited into the army in those days, it was a sort of a verbal contract. But once they gave you a shilling you'd actually received something, so the, the terms of the contract had been made and you were in. <laughs> and, we're we're, and, and we've all taken the, the king shilling. And yeah. Um, yeah. so you know, these people are my brothers and sisters. Yeah. And military culture is that we look after each other and we don't leave anybody behind. Well, that's, uh, that's what we aim to do. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's all about getting the message out there. Unfortunately, there are some people who, don't, who aren't unaware of what is out there and the extent to pe- which people do care. Yeah, um, so it's just about getting the message out there as much as can. Possible. Networking is important, and mm. rest assured, um, I will be talking about this to people in my sub branch of the RSL. Um, mm. Another thing that's really come out of this program, unfortunate for me, I guess, was uh, the amazing uh, range of uh, services and supports offered by RSL Queensland. Mm. Um, not so much in New South Wales, uh, but getting there. Um, so, so the other thing I would really um, extol the virtues of in terms of this program is 
if you don't know what's going on out there, if you don't know how things fit together, if you don't know what opportunities may be available to you, this is a, a networking opportunity mm. second to none. Yep. Uh, and that's a big thing, I think. And I think that's why it's so important to do those those um, brainstorming sessions where everyone just throws down everything they know onto the whiteboard and you go, yeah. oh, wow, it's actually there's actually a lot out there. You know, there's still a few narratives out there that, that no one's doing anything for veterans. Like nothing could be further from the truth. There's never been more being done for veterans yeah, than now. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah. I have uh, I stay in close contact with a lot of people that I've deployed operationally with and others that I've just served with in different places mm. and everybody seems to have something on the boil these days mm. and it's so valuable because an ounce of uh, prevention is worth a ton of cure. Keep people happy, moving on, mm. growing improving then hopefully we don't lose them by the wayside that's exactly right and what's next for you mate what in terms of the short term still got some army stuff still part-time this year happening after i get home uh i teach first aid and other emergency response related stuff i'm a member of the new south wales rural fire service and proudly so mm-hmm. uh, fire season's over and we didn't seem to have one it was all about helping out the SES with floods but, um, yeah, look, life will go on. Um, I'm actually going to go home and join the local choir because that was something that I meant to do after the arts program and, and I've got mm. some motivation to do that here. Um, I've got five horses that probably haven't missed me at all, <laughs> but it'll be good to see them. Um, yeah. And is that, life. I guess, yeah, I guess that, that was one thing I sort of skipped over there was before you did the arts program and the other things, what uh, rituals or what outlets what mechanisms did you already have in place when the black dog i guess did come or didn't you have any measures it sounds a bit contrite not contrite bizarre perhaps um after my wife died i i went into a really deep depression and uh and i was living alone on a on a farm with animals particularly four horses and on the worst mornings, when I looked through the window, when I got up to go to the toilet in the morning, they'd all be looking at me because we were still in drought and they were depending on me for a feed. So it, they weren't interested in how sad I was. They were just <laughs> interested in getting some breakfast. And you can't let them suffer because you're a bit blue. So I would drag myself literally over to the shed and start making up feeds. And, and then I would start to feel a little bit better. And then I could get moving, develop some momentum. Mm. In all of this stuff, momentum is the key. Right. Don't lose momentum. Um, and so I guess I have some very, very dear friends who look after me um, and I guess, yeah, th- how did I get through it? I looked after my horses I stayed alive. I tried to be positive. I looked for opportunities. Then I deployed again. Um, maybe that wasn't the smartest thing I've ever done. I, I hope I did a reasonable job but ultimately – I was a mess when I came home from that as well. But I guess I'd had a, a pre-experience in coming to terms with it from my wife's death, so I was able to employ the same strategies to drag myself out of the hole mm. for that one. Knowing that you're not alone mm. and being willing to be and humble enough to accept help yep. is key. It's a very common theme and it sounds like for your your situation it was almost like you just needed something to get you for, for, get yourself through the first 10 minutes Yep. Whether that's get up and feed the horses, whether that's you know, it might be a completely different scenario for someone in a different area, but just you just got to get out of bed. You just got to yep. get out and just punch through that first ten minutes where you just oh you know the world is horrendous, and then just have something practical that you put your mind to. That might be exercise, it might yeah. be going for a walk, and then that's you survive to the next round. Yeah, yeah, the next yeah. ten minutes. You know? Yeah, and as soon as you let them 
momentum drop off, you sl- you, you you fall again, yeah. yep. and then you find another way. Amazing. And what, do uh, we, what do we say? Improvise, adapt, overcome. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Joel, was there any other sort of topics you wanted to hit on that perhaps we um, we missed so far? Only that I would uh, like to express my gratitude to Timor Awakenings for the opportunity that they've provided me in this program and and the hope that I'll be able to be associated with it going forward in whatever ways are valuable to them because I know that it'll be beneficial to me. Absolutely, mate. We'd love to have you back. Thanks, mate. Good on, Joel. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And if you do have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to us at support at veteranscare.com.au. And we do, of course, encourage you to share this podcast out to anyone who you feel may benefit from it. Thank you so much, and we look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast. Bye for now.